0: Thinking at Genesis the third chapter this morning and the Lord God said now this is right after Adam and Eve sinned and uh, they messed everything up and rebelled against God and the Lord God said the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever the reason for this is is that if he would have reached out and taken uh, of the tree of life and became an eternal being, he would have been like the angels that were locked in their sin. You see, Satan and his angels who fell with him are not redeemable. One of the kindest things God ever did was make it possible that we die. As painful as that is and as sad as that is, death is one of the most gracious things God did for us because it makes us mortal. It makes us redeemable. It makes us fixable. Praise God. How am glad for that. You know, yeah. So we're not stuck. <laughs> but listen to this. The man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Who's, who's he talking to? Now, you'll see this in Genesis several times, particularly during the uh, uh, early parts of Genesis, where God is saying, we should do this and we should do that. And what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that and stuff? Now, I've heard uh, from theologians for, for uh, most of my life that, uh, what's happening here is it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit having this talk, That hence the we. But uh, the longer I've uh, been a Christian and the more I read the scriptures, I'm starting to think, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I don't, I don't think God was just talking to himself. I think he was talking to the angels and the creation about him, getting their input on things, which is pretty strange if you think about it. Now, the last time I spoke, I talked about how uh, I believe we are in the midst of the greatest halftime show in history, if you will. Satan has just rebelled against God. There was this huge uh, clash. He was cast to the earth. Judgment day is coming when he will have to answer for his crimes. But in the midst of that, God creates life on earth and puts us on earth. And now uh, all of heaven is watching what happens when people do things Satan's way. Remember, there was, there was this big rebellion, this big challenge to God's way of doing things. Now the whole of eternity gets to see what happens when people do things Satan's way, hence death, destruction, genocide, famine. And when things, when when people do things God's way and the resulting consequences of blessings and faithfulness and favor as a result of doing things God's way. And the Bible said, as we read in Ephesians last time, that... God is wanting to so put so much grace in your life that if there is ever another challenge in eternity about whether or not God is truly kind and loving, He will point to you as proof and it will forever answer this question. Now, this will not continue. This is all coming to an end fairly soon, I believe. This will all be over and then eternity will pick up again where it left off after Judgment Day and we will go on and we will forever answer that question have answered that question, does God really care and stuff but uh, one thing's about these things, it's, it's hard not to be struck by what happened obviously Satan and those angels believed God was beatable they hadn't think that, no way do you do a rebellion thinking you're all going to lose he does this absolutely convinced, they're all convinced there's something about God and the way he conducts himself, that I think to Satan and his angels, and to many people, actually confuses people, and they think, well, maybe God's kind of weak. Well, of course, Satan was in for the shock of his life when he rebelled, and God just flicked him out of heaven like a booger. It was no big deal. I mean, God's so powerful. And I don't think, I think this totally shocked them. They had no idea this would happen. There's something about God that is very understated. We even see that in our lives here. I mean, don't you often wonder, why doesn't God just show up and kick butt and take names? Would this not be cool? You know, I mean, I'm flying in last night. Uh, We're at 28,000 feet coming into Green Bay and we can see forever. And the sun's going down and through the clouds and the colors and stuff. I mean, it was striking. And I'm thinking, in fact, I said out loud, I said, how can you possibly say there is no God? there's no way this just happened and the Bible says this, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and if people will be quiet for just 15 minutes every evening and look and behold or every morning it would be hard not to be taken back by the glory of the heavens but God is very very understated if I were God I'd be much more dramatic you know I would not wake up Green Bay with a soft, pretty sunrise every morning. I'd just get over the top of everybody's bed and go, Wake up! You know, What is that? Oh, it's God. I hate it when He does that, you know. Why does not God do more dramatic stuff? What is it? There's something about God that actually gives and gave the sense that maybe He doesn't really know what He's doing. I mean, how is that possible? But as you read Genesis and you keep seeing God having this conversation, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with such and such? And again, theologians say, well, it's got to be God just talking to himself, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I don't think that's true because we start to see this as we look later in the Bible and we get more detailed pictures of what goes on in heaven. And we find out, in fact, that God does ask the creations, his angels and stuff, what are we going to do? Now stop and think how radical that is. Because we've been taught for so long that God knows everything and he does. And that God's in charge and he is. And he does whatever he wants and what he does. And he can. But yet in reality, the way God operates is very frequently he sits back and asks those around him, what do you guys think we should do? We see this in 2 Chronicles, the 18th chapter. Micah the prophet's talking about a vision he said, had. and He said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the hosts of heaven standing on his right and his left. And throughout the Bible, even in the New Testament, people have visions of heaven, and they almost all always describe it exactly this way. That uh, they look into heaven and they see God there and surrounded by these angels and stuff like that. And it's like a very familiar thing. So this is a consistent picture. They all agree with each other. This is what's going on. He says, so I saw the Lord sitting on his throne in, in, with all the hosts of heaven standing on his right and his left. And God is talking, and he says this. Now, he's dealing with this this king called Ahab, who's really wicked. He's one of the most wicked kings uh, that Israel ever had. And it was prophesied that he would go to such and such, and he'd be killed. So God is asking the angels around him, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, into attacking Ramoth Gilead and go there to his death? And this is fascinating. God is asking, how are we going to pull this off? And one angel suggested this and another suggested that. Now think of this. An angel says, well, we can do it this way. And God goes, nah. Now that's got to be a little insulting, wouldn't you think? I mean, we're not talking Nielsville High School graduates here. We're talking angels. We're talking people who, they're eternal beings that have been around for who knows how long. A little bit of life experience. They got a clue. Is it possible that God doing this at times kind of irritated some angels. That some of these guys had a burr under their buns. And when Satan came along, he said, you know, I don't, I don't think God really knows what he's doing. Look at him. He's asking, what should we do? How should we do this? Doesn't listen to our advice. I'm telling you, there had to be something tangible that made them think they could pull off this rebellion. They made a big mistake. You see, this is not weakness. This is incredible strength. When God, in all His power, asks His creation for their input, it's pretty cool. One of the strongest things any leader can do is get advice and input from the people around him. The ones who just "I'm in charge, I'll just know what to do, and I just do it." How many of you know those aren't really fun bosses to work for? You know, it's the ones. That, so, so it's really great strength, but it can be interpreted if you don't get it as weakness so one suggested this God says nah another suggested this finally spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said I'll do it and the Lord said how are you going to do it I love this the fact that he wants to hear deal. what's your plan let me hear your plan and he says well I'll go and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouths of all his prophets I'll get them all confused they'll prophesy to him that it's the right thing to do when they get there he gets his head cut off or whatever the deal was And the Lord says, you will succeed. Go for it, man. Go do it. This is quite fascinating. Again, we see it again in Isaiah. Isaiah has a vision of heaven. Only this time, he's he's as if he's transported into heaven. And he's there in front of God. And he's freaking out. He's like, man, how can I even be here? And he describes the same scenario. God's sitting there. Angels all over. They're talking. and, And God is wanting to deal with the nation of Israel. And speaking repentance to the the Israelites. And look what Isaiah says. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? There's that us again, see? Making them all, drawing them in. You're all part of this. Here's God on his throne. Asking angels. What do you guys think? What do you think we should do? should we send and nobody says anything and Isaiah goes I'll go here I am send me and we read that God looks at him and says alright we'll send you and he tells him this is what I want you to tell him and that's the book of Isaiah that's why God's telling him to tell the people it's all rather fascinating look at Job Now this is really, this will really bend your brain. Because it's like, whoa. But we still see the same scenario. God, angels, God, check it out. What do you guys think about this, that, or the other? One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. What's what they do? They come, they hang out. What's up? What's happening? And Satan also came with them. Hello. What do you mean Satan came with them? I thought he was cast out. he was. He's stuck on this earth. Not happy about it either. But apparently he comes before God at times, much like a fallen general. You'll see this as uh, throughout history, that uh, generals, even the, the enemy generals, are afforded a great deal of respect just because of who they were and their position. Even though they're defeated, they have certain privileges more than the guys out in the field for sure. So Satan, even as a fallen general, still comes before God. And the Lord says to Satan, hey, where you been? And he says, oh, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth in it. I hate it there. This place sucks. You stuck around a stupid rock with these idiots. And the Lord says to Satan, hey, have you seen Job? Isn't he cool? Isn't Job cool? I love Job. He says, there's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. What do you think of that Satan? And Satan engages God in conversation. He says oh come on. Does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him. And his household and everything he has. Good prayer to pray by the way. God put a hedge around my household. And everything I have. He says you bless the work of his hand. So that his flocks and his herds. Are spread throughout the land. He says but stretch out your hand. And strike everything he has. And he will surely curse you to his face. To your face. You bless him, he's got so much stuff No water, he's so happy. Take away everything, watch, he'll curse you. And then look what God does. God goes, okay. What? Okay? You're listening to this Nimrod? You just cast him out, he's been nothing but problems. But yet he engages God, and says take everything away, he'll curse you to his faith. God says, oh, okay, very well then. Everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. And then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And as you read the story, he goes and he destroys everything Job owns. Destroys everything. He has nothing. He loses it all. And he sits before God and he praises and he thanks God. Then we see Satan come back again, the next chapter. And here they come again, the angels, all this conversation. What's happening? What's going on? What do you think we should do? and Satan comes along again and God says to Satan told you so (laughs) and Satan goes well yeah who cares nobody cares about their stuff not true but he says make him sick and then i will curse you and God goes okay I hope they don't have that conversation about me it's all I got to say man (laughs) God no no, no, no. He says, You can make him sick, but you can't kill him. So God strikes Job with this horrible disease, and I mean, everything is miserable. He's sicker than a dog. He's lost everything. And his wife comes up to him and says, Why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> Satan really knew how to get Job. He took everything and left the wife. But the whole story of Job Is how Job stayed faithful And trusted God through it all And then God blessed him more than ever It was just a temporary time in his life That he struggled If you go through struggles and time in your life Don't lose heart God is faithful He will not abandon you You may not understand what's going on I'm sure Job had no idea what's going on I still don't understand what was going on But we knew it was temporary and then God turned everything around and blessed him greatly as he stayed faithful to God. But, and that's the main point of Job, but you can't help but be stunned by this picture. This is repeated over and over again throughout the Bible. Almighty God, all-powerful, all-knowing, gets his creation around him, looks at a scenario and says, uh, what do you guys think we should do? I don't like that plan. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good plan. Let's do that. I mean, it's truly stunning. I can't help but wonder. I don't know. You don't either. Can't help but wonder if that wasn't the kind of thing that these angels looked at and sneered. Said, I don't think he knows what he's doing. I don't think he's nearly as strong as he thinks. Totally misunderstanding what was going on. Now, let me ask you a question. What if God, I like to, my brother's always asking, what if? No, he's got me doing it. What if God is looking over your life from 28,000 feet, looking at your world, okay? And most of us have a very limited world. It's not that complicated. You have your friends, the people you work with, your neighbors. I mean, your world, the people around you, the world that you wish God would just show up and just zap, right? Isn't that what you all think? God, just show up. You know, God, my husband snores, kill him in his sleep. Do something, you know. You're just waiting for God to show up and do something. What if God is looking at your world and saying to you, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? You have to understand, if, if there's a problem most people have is they just don't pray. And there's lots of reasons why we don't pray. But I can't help but think this is one of the biggies. Because I don't think we really believe what we say matters. I mean, the truth of the matter, I mean, we got a fairly big church, okay? In a celebration world, we got pushing 3,000 people that come to this church. But the last time we announced we were going to have a special morning of prayer, five people showed up. Why is that? We don't like to pray. I mean, let's be honest about it. We don't like to pray. Because I think we're discouraged about prayer. We don't understand what prayer really is. Seriously, if I announce next Saturday we will have a one-hour prayer meeting or we will have uh, uh, rectal screenings for cancer, I guarantee you more people will show up to get their rectums checked out than pray. When people would rather have a rectal exam than pray, you got yourself a problem. Why? Because we, we don't get it. So much of evangelical Christianity and even traditional Christianity, be it Catholic, Luther, whatever, has taught this picture God is God and God's going to do what God does. Get out of the way. Or just say, God, show up, do what you want to do. Which is kind of weak, ineffective prayer. Yeah, no, Jesus shows up. And when he starts teaching people, he says, Pray, man. Pray. Ask God. Ask God to get involved. Ask him. Why? Because Jesus knew this is what goes on. God is looking over your life and he's asking you, What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You got a life, right? What do you think we should do? But we don't think in those terms. That's why Jesus is egging, man, ask, ask, ask. Matthew, the 7th chapter, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. In the 18th chapter, he says, I tell you the truth. Why does he have to say that? Because people think he's lying. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, he said this to all his disciples. There's another place, one place where he said it to Peter specifically. Of course, the Catholic Church says he was only talking to Peter, and that's why he's the Pope. That's not why he said the whole Pope thing. This is available to all believers. Now, stop and think what he's saying. Jesus is saying, listen to me, I'm telling you the truth. All of heaven is waiting to act based on what you say. Whatever you loose, heaven will loose. Whatever you bind, heaven will bind. Pray, people. He says again. Why does he got to say again? Because we don't listen the first time. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father. Chapter 21. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. John 14, I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Chapter 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. You did not choose me, he says, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Verse 16, or chapter 16. In that day you will no longer ask me anything, I'll tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. We think God's just going to show up, kick butt and take names. God's just going to do what God does when he feels like doing it. And he can, and at times does. But it's as if Jesus, and he says it over and over and over and over and over again. God is waiting to hear from you. Because he's looking over your world, and he's saying, what do you think we should do? Wow. See, you get that, and it changes the way you approach life. You get that and now what I pray, wow, this really matters. God is literally waiting to hear from me about what to do next. While many of you are crying, wondering why God doesn't show up next. Well, pastor, I, I prayed. I prayed and nothing happened. Well, James explains that. He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Now, seriously, let's be honest, okay? We can never grow if we're not honest. If I were to take all of the prayers in this room, they pretty much all fall into one category. Make my life easier. Most of the prayers offered up here are for more money or less bills or less bills and more money. Or my spouse driving me crazy. Or my kids irritating the snot out of me. Or God give me a better job because I can't stand my boss. I mean, come on. At some point, I know, I know us. I'm one of us. We're Americans. We're the most self-centered, narcissistic people on the planet. Everything's about me. Everything's about me. I need, I need, I need, I need. I can't imagine how many prayers God heard this week on, let me win the lottery. And God doesn't, no, 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 no. Instead of asking God to make you happy, imagine God looking at your life and all the people in your life and all the circumstances surrounding your life and asking you, okay, what do you think we should do about it? And don't be discouraged if you make a suggestion and God goes, nah. Sometimes I pray, God didn't give me an answer. Yes, he did. The answer was no. (laughs) Move on. Good heavens and Christians are famous because we've been taught to stand in faith. And I know there's an element of standing faith and persevering. I'll preach on that as well. But come on, you've been praying the same prayer forever and it never gets answered. Move on. Can you take a hint? The answer is no. Or maybe a different way of doing it. John talks about this. He says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, see, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. What he's in essence saying is you know you're praying the right prayers when God answers your prayers. And make no mistake, these people... In the New Testament, these early Christians, consider what they did. These people knew how to pray. They understood what we're talking about. They understood about loosening and binding and asking God to move and transforming the world around them. Think of what they did. They started with nothing. And in a generation, they changed the world. They tipped the world upside down. These Christians, a few generations, they totally collapsed the entire Roman Empire. And Christianity spread throughout the world. Holy cow! We can barely get people to show up in church for an hour. These guys changed. Why? Because they knew how to splash God everywhere. Because they connected with God and they partnered with God and they understood this thing that God is saying, okay, boys, what are we going to do next? So, well, God, let's do this. And Lord, my neighbor over here, he's really struggling with this. You know, how about we fix this? Help me to be more kind to the people I work with and work so they can see more patience in my life. Ooh, there's a prayer God likes. How about being kind in the midst of unkindness instead of God, please kill my neighbor's dog because he keeps pooping in my yard? (laughs) I have a challenge for you. This week, sometime this week, take a break. 5, 10, 15 minutes at work, at home, shut off Leto early, sometime this week. You had all week to do it. But do not let this week go by without doing it. You sit down with a piece of paper. And I want you to imagine you're standing next to God at 28,000 feet. And he's looking down on your life. And he's asking you, okay, what do you think we should do? And I want you to write out a plan. Well, God, do this, and and have my neighbor do this. And Wouldn't it be great if my kids, all of a sudden, this happened? And and Father, what about this? And please help Pastor Mark. And then and on and on. You know, whatever it is, get a plan for your life. And then I want you to pray that plan for the next 90 days. That's all I'm asking you to do. Take a plan and pray the plan for 90 days. Watch. What God will do in your life. And I want to start hearing testimonies. You know how we have the little prayer request thing. It's also for prayer requests or for testimonies. I want to start hearing stories. In fact I want to start having a lot more testimonies than prayer requests. Of man I started praying this and God did this. And it was so cool because God did this. And this situation happened and God opened up this door. I mean see what God will do in your life. One of the main reasons God is so quiet in your life. It's because you never ask him to do anything. See what he'll do. Not just what I can get, more money, 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 money. money. I'm just talking about looking at your world. and Saying, God, let's do this, and let's try this, and, let's, and watch what God does. And when God starts answering certain types of prayers, pray more prayers like that. And when you keep praying something, they don't get answered, move on. Start praying other prayers it's amazing how many people pray prayers that never seem to get answered It's like, cause, first of all because they're just fundamentally flawed here's a famous one I'm sure I'll make some of you mad but get in line, take a number <laughs> this prayer God, I'm praying God will bring me a husband I'm praying God will bring me a wife of course they started praying this prayer when they were 29, now they're 87 <laughs> you know maybe the answer is no or maybe you're praying an inappropriate prayer the Bible doesn't say God's gonna bring you a husband or a wife the Bible talks about finding or being found you want a husband go find one you want a wife go find one you can pray that God will lead and direct you but what do you expect God to float in some guy on a cloud You know how many millions of Christians in America today are praying, God bring me a husband? God bring me a wife? Good. The prayer just irritates me. It's like someone saying, I'm, I'm praying God will bring me a job. Really, are you looking for a job? No. No. No, I'm trusting God. I want God to do it all. Well, you're going to starve to death, you idiot. It's amazing how many stupid prayers we pray and how much time we spend praying them. At some point the answer is no or you're praying it wrong or do something if you don't know what you're confused come get some advice about it but the normal thing should be God answers prayers or Jesus was lying which do you think it is? (laughs) do you think he was lying? do you think he said all this stuff and went away and said (laughs) bunch of morons (laughs) if God is not showing up in your life, changing things visibly in your life, you are not connecting with him. Let's pray. I'm telling you what's going to change this church and change this community. And look, it would be easy to sit back and say, yeah, we're one of the biggest churches in Green Bay. Aren't we something? Whoop, you stinkin' new. But so what? We're nothing. We're nothing. We're not really affecting... The Churches aren't really affecting this community like we should. I mean, there'll be more people gathering to worship in the green and gold cathedral. Praising someone, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's not fool ourselves. This church will not grow and transform our community because you have such a good-looking pastor. (laughs) Or because he has such an ugly brother. Look, it, it, it will not be dramatic preaching. Oh, we got some great preacher. I, my pastor and my, his brother, man, all oh, those guys can preach and they can teach. us that, that will not ultimately change this place. It won't because we have great children's programs. And we do. We have fabulous children's programs. It won't because we have such great music. And we have fabulous music. I travel all over the world listening to bands, Christian musicians. I promise you, we got some of the best right here. But that won't do it. Oh, it'll be a few. Some people show up. Gee, you got great music or you got a great pastor or you got this, you know. But that's, that's not going to change. What's going to change it is when we get this. And my prayer today is that the synapses in your brains will be snapping and coming alive and you will get this and you will come up with a plan and engage God for your life. And get that God is waiting for you. Just like he's sitting around these... Do you know there was one place where God said, I wanted to do something, but I couldn't find anybody to do it? I pray, I wanted someone to save the lamb, but I couldn't find anyone to make up a hedge. Remember that verse, Pastor? Even when God wanted to do something, he wouldn't do it because he couldn't find anybody else to engage with him on it. When you start understanding this, this will radically change the way, you, the way you think about God. God is waiting to hear from you. When we get this, you'll be excited about prayer. You'll be looking forward to prayer. Throughout the week, when you have a chance to come in, you get to pray your prayer. And get, to get God involved in your life. The next time we're up against colon rectal screenings, we'll have more people for prayer than for rectal screenings. If we get this and I announce we're going to have a special prayer day. We're going to get together for an hour on a Saturday morning. And we're going to pray God's plan for this church. We're going to get together and say, God, here's our plan for this church. This is what we want to see you do. Hundreds of you would show up. Hundreds of you would show up. But not till you get this. And it won't be because I yell at you. Because that doesn't do it. Because five people show up. We need to get this. I promise you. When you lose the power of God in your life. By engaging God. This thing of God holding back and waiting to hear from you. Is not a sign of weakness. Don't make Satan's mistake. I promise you. Nothing is impossible to God. He can do anything The reason He's not doing In your life Because He's not hearing from you About how to do it Pretty wild stuff I'm going to invite our ushers to come at this time Get ready to serve communion Our musicians can come back Get ready for our time of communion Well Where are you at with all this? All of this starts because you know God If you don't know God in your life Then obviously God isn't going to show up in your life And do jack squat do you know God? Have you experienced his faith, his, his grace and mercy in, his, in your life through faith? This is what we celebrate when we take communion. Jesus Christ dying on that cross. His body broken for us so that we could be whole. His blood shared so we could wash away our sins. Have you asked God into your life? Because when you start to connect with God, watch what he does when he will unlock his potential in your life. It is glorious. But it starts with knowing Him in the first place. I'm going to invite everybody to bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. If you're here this morning, if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can begin your life of faith this morning. You can start to experience and know God like I'm talking about. But it starts with the first step of faith where you ask God to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you love me so much. You went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender myself to you. Amen.